Hey guys, welcome to Spirit Pig. This is the show that explores how to live a fulfilled life. I'm Duncan CJ and today I'm talking with Barry Eaton. Barry is a well-known radio and TV presenter, astrologer, psychic and medium and has conducted over 2,000 readings and run spiritual groups since 2000. He produces and hosts the show Radio Out There, a mind-body-spirit program that enjoys worldwide audience and is now in its, I believe, 11th year and continues to grow and grow and it's hugely influential. Uh, they've had over 550 episodes, and in that, Barry has interviewed hundreds of the world's top thought leaders from around the globe. Uh, he's the author of the best-selling book, Afterlife, Uncover the Secrets of Life After Death, which has been acclaimed all over the world, and he's recently released his brand new book, No Goodbyes, Life-Changing Insights from the Other Side. Barry, thank you so much for speaking to me today. This is so exciting. Duncan, it's great to meet you. And it's good to like I can I can tell I can see from the from the picture you've got your mic you've got this you've got this amazing radio voice I'm gonna to have to get some tips from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been doing it a long time now, Duncan. You know, and the, and the voice sort of uh, finds its own level after the first thirty or forty years. <laughs> I'm still trying. I'm still trying to um, like to phase out saying basically um ah uh, like every other word. So yeah, I, I listen. I listen back, and there's about an um and ah uh, every every other sentence. So yeah, <laughs> might have to edit some of those out. Ah, uh, you'll be fine. <laughs> but you, um, in quote unquote, you were in a sort of normal profession um, before. I mean, you were involved in a lot of like broadcasting, um, kind of media kind of stuff. But can you explain maybe how you got involved in exploring life after death? Yeah, sure. It's uh, it was a journey because I, I was always interested in this sort of thing. And when I was working in a commercial radio station in Sydney, in Australia. Uh, back in the 90s, I, I hosted a show called Thought Waves with, the, uh, with a clairvoyant. I also used to have a talkback radio shows where I had astrologers and psychics and all sorts of people on. And I was really interested in all this sort of stuff. Then I had a life-changing event, and it's called divorce. <laughs> and that really makes you sit up and, and think and, and think about where you're going, what you're doing. And the guy that I was working with uh, as an astrologer was running uh, astrology courses. So I said to him, I want to come and do your astrology course next year. He said, what? I said, yeah. He said, what, what made you do that? I said, I don't know. It just sort of came out of somewhere. So I went away and I did that. And that was back in 1991. So I did his astrology course. It was a year-long diploma course. And then that's worked as a platform for everything that I've done ever since. So I can thank my, my ex-wife, who was English, by the way. So We're sorry. We won't, yeah. <laughs> Not to, but I had an amazing way that I met her, which I've talked about in my book, No Goodbyes. Talk about destiny, and we all have destiny relationships. But anyway, let's not get off the track. Um, yeah, so I, I moved into this whole new arena. I was still reading the news nationally on ABC, which is the Australian equivalent of the BBC. So I was, I was doing that, and I was doing astrology and doing psychic readings at the same time as being a, a national newsreader here. <laughs> and I got picked up by a, a large... Uh, magazine and, and given about a three-page spread and I thought, oh God, there goes my career. But it didn't. It was amazing. So people ex are accepting this more and more. But I know a lot of my media colleagues and former media colleagues think, uh, oh God, Eaton's gone, no, 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 completely out there. So, uh, uh, but a lot of the other ones used to sneak up to me quietly and say, hey, I believe you do astrology readings. I said, yeah, that's right, waiting for the big punchline. I said, would you do a reading for me? <laughs> I 
They didn't want it to be known. You Behind know, closed doors, secretly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it just sort of built from there. And then in 1993, I re-met a wonderful lady in my life, Judy. And Judy was been my soulmate over many different incarnations. We were only together for four years. And unfortunately, she died at a very young age. And um, when she went over to the other side, we'd only been together, as I said, four years. And it really shattered me. But when she passed over to the other side, she kept on sending these messages back after a couple of years. Now, I'd got in contact with her through a medium, by the way, in, in the meantime. And she kept on sending these messages. And I got them from friends, mediums in Canada and Australia and all over the place. When are you going to write the book, Barry? Come on, there's a book. You've got to write a book. You've got to write a book. Nag, 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 nag. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, so eventually I thought, all right, I'll write a bloody book. <laughs> so <laughs> I did. I wrote Afterlife. It took me several years because I'd done a lot of interviews in the meantime with, with people who'd researched and experienced and everything like that. And uh, then I started to develop my own medium abilities uh, because of uh, Judy's passing. And that opened up a whole new arena for me. And I, I learned how you can communicate with people on the other side. Some people say to me, oh, you talk to dead people. No, you don't talk to dead people. You can't talk to somebody who's dead. You can talk to somebody whose spirit is alive in another dimension, but you can't talk to something if it's dead. So I communicate with spirits. I communicate with them like all mediums do. So that's, that's in a nutshell how it worked, Duncan. And that's interesting because, I mean, that's one, it ties on nicely to what I was actually about to say next because in your book, Afterlife, you explain this idea that we never really die or disappear. Um, I, I think no. like, I, you explained it in a way which, um, which was fascinating. You, you said it helps to think of ourselves as spiritual beings with a human body and not the other yep. way around. Um, can you maybe just elaborate on that? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean... I guess organized religion and and belief systems over the years have all talked about us as the body and we've tended to come and think about I am a body, this is me, I look down all my physical attributes, that's who I am and there's this funny looking thing called a spirit or a soul or whatever uh, and that's, that's something outside that comes and attaches itself. Well no, it's the other way around. The, the spirit is actually a vehicle for the soul uh, what I've been told from the other side, and the soul is an everlasting, it's a form of energy. And the law of physics says that energy cannot be destroyed. It can be transmuted, but it can't be destroyed. So the, the soul attaches itself to the body at the heart area. So that's what we talk about body and soul and, and whatever, or heart and soul, I should say. Um, so it attaches itself. And when the soul has had enough, for one reason or another, it just detaches itself. So every form of death is a kind of heart failure. As soon as the heart stops beating, then that's it. You know, the body dies. But that energy source, which is the soul, moves on or goes back to where it came from in the first place. If it came from somewhere, logically, it goes back to that same place. Call it the afterlife, call it heaven, the other world, paradise, you know, whatever label you want to put on, it doesn't matter. So interesting. Look, this... I heard a quote, which, um, not I heard it, it was your one, but it was like saying, we're, yeah, I, said, I heard a quote. Like, you're no, me back to myself. I'm just, I know, I, 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 lo I love to quote my guests, like, because in it, yeah, I just, I just, I just read back to them, their favorite quotes. Um, but it says that we're all spiritual energies having a human experience, 
And once each life is completed, we return to our real home. And the real reason for our earthly life is to have as many experiences as possible so that our soul can develop. It's this idea of your soul developing. Like that, that was just a really interesting concept, which um, I hadn't really heard too much about before. Yeah, well, this is it. I mean, it, it also explains the concept of reincarnation because each lifetime we come for a certain number of experiences and that's predetermined. Uh, our purpose in life, where we're going, what we're going to do, who we're going to meet and whatever. How we handle all of that is our free will. But that's the whole purpose of coming in each lifetime is to have these experiences and grow as a soul through the experiences that we do have. And the ones that we haven't had or maybe the ones that we messed up in previous incarnations, we've got to come back and, and relive them and, and rework them. And and that's basically how it all goes. Mm. And this idea of like that your soul developing and it means that if, if we're constantly developing, we're, we're making a lot of like mistakes along the making a lot of mistakes along the way. But does that sort of sure. cha- does that sort of change how we kind of view mistakes? Because rather than sort of beating ourselves up when we mess up and thinking, you know, I'm such an idiot, we actually it just I know realize that it's all actually part of our soul's development and growth. So actually, I know. It, do you know what I mean? Like, rather than being, you know, really self-critical, thinking, you know, every time we make a mistake, if that's if that's your your purpose for your soul to develop, to um, evolve, to you know, in each lifetime, is making mistakes just simply part of that whole process? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, people get so upset, as you said, about making mistakes, but every single person on the planet makes mistakes. And if you if you look at the film industry, if you mess up a take. It's a mistake, so you go and do another take, and that's ah. the way the uh, the film industry, TV industry works. So we make mistakes in our life. The the important thing is to learn from the mistake and not keep doing that same mistake over and over again, which some people do, and they call those people politicians. But <laughs> uh, but the whole thing is that we learn from our mistakes, and and that's why we're here. And if, if we were perfect and we were never going to make mistakes, there'd be no need for us to come back to earth. Mm. You've worked closely with, like, trance mediums. Like, what exactly does that sort of process look like? <laughs> in terms of, like, I mean, is, in, is somebody guiding the process or they, they take you into, like, a meditative oh, yeah. state or how, how exactly does it work? Sure. Well, look, there are two forms of mediumship, a conscious and an unconscious or trance medium. Um, I normally do a conscious medium work, so I, I just tune in to people on the other side. The messages come through in various ways to me through through thought, through visions, and through little words whispered in my ear and things like that. But a trance medium, and I work with one of these guys who's he's fantastic, um, Kelly Dale. And uh, Kelly, I take him down into a very, very deep meditation state. And then he kind of moves aside, his soul moves aside, and the spirit comes through, speaks through him and uses his, his body, his vocal cords and everything like that to communicate. Now, in the instance that I'm working with, um, Kelly, who was a very well-known actor, by the way, many years ago, and that's got nothing to do with the fact that he's a trans medium now, his father was also a, uh, a well-known producer and writer. He wrote uh, uh, several movies. Sunday Too Far Away was one of his best movies. And uh, Kelly used to be in that series um, Home and Away, and he was very well. <laughs> He, our family, was, our yeah. family are big Home and Away fans. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, he was—he played a, a character called Dodge many, many, many years ago. But anyway, Kelly's given that away a long time ago now. He runs a the local uh, chapter, I guess, of the John of God Casa. I don't know whether you've heard of John of God in Brazil. 
fantastic healer. Well, Kelly runs the whole uh, that now. He doesn't do any acting anymore. Um, but he's got this natural uh, ability to communicate. So when I take him down into this deep state, his father then comes through. Now, I knew his father and I know Kelly. And when Kelly's spirit moves aside and John comes through, the voice changes, the phraseology changes, the vocabulary, the everything changes. Now, Kelly's wife also comes in and helps me balance the energy. And, and I said to her, you know, you're happy that this is not Kelly sort of doing an act on us, aren't you? She said, oh, God, yes. She said, the, the words that are coming out of Kelly's mouth by, through his father, he would have no idea to be able to say these sort of things. He doesn't talk like that. And the information that comes forth is, is just so way out of Kelly's uh, normal vocabulary and abilities to communicate. So, but every trance medium is different. I've done a bit of trance myself, and um, I, I was actually at the Arthur Finlay College in Stansted a couple of years ago doing a course over there, and um, the, the medium who was teaching us there was very much into trance. I did a little bit there, but um, I, I prefer to be in, in charge of myself rather than sort of feel a voice coming through that's not mine, and I'm thinking to myself, as all trance mediums do to start off with, is this really happening? Am I making <laughs> up? Uh, you know, is this, this is really weird stuff. So I started to do that and then I found it's, it's just not my bag at all. So I, I sort of moved the other way. But trans mediums, I know people just stand up on stage and all of a sudden they will just sort of go into a ah, state and then voices and, and information will come through them that's quite staggering. So... It, it's like anybody. It doesn't matter whether you're a medium or a footballer. You know, you've all got your own techniques and you, you play the game the way um, that you're meant to if you're a footballer and you play the way the universe hands it out to you if you're a medium. Now, Arthur Finley College in the UK, I mean, which you just mentioned, you know, is this uh, world-famous um, place. Um, and, you know, you, you, you qualified as an astrologer, psychic medium. But, like, so... Is psychic ability and mediumship a skill that can be learned by anyone, or is this like something which you're born with? Because if there's actually if there's a college for it, that that makes me think that okay, anyone can go along and um, potentially learn these skills. I mean, are they skills or are they kind of born with, like in, innate? A bit of both. It's it's sort of like uh, anybody can have a game of tennis and you can hit the ball over the net and uh, you know prod around and have a bit of a hit and giggle. Other people will be a lot better. They'll play quite good tennis. They'll play at a club level. Others will go on and represent their country and some will make a living out of it, the really good ones, because they've got some kind of natural ability. Mm. Now, there is an ability with psychic and clairvoyant work and, and mediumship where you can contact, you can tune in. We call it gut reactions. We call it um, feelings, intuitive feelings, all sorts of things like this. And we've all got those abilities. But you can go in and train yourself to enhance these abilities. And uh, it's the same thing with mediumship. Um, some people are going to have some, some good skills and you can go and, and go into places like spiritualist churches and do development thing. Uh, when I was at the Arthur Finlay College, it was a kind of postgraduate course for me. It's a, it's a week-long intensive course, which was brilliant. I just loved every minute of it. Uh, but I'd already been doing mediumship for quite a few years, so it was not one of those courses where you wander in off the street and say, oh, I'd like to be a medium. <laughs> it just doesn't work like that, you know, although they do have introductory courses. And there were a few people there that didn't want to be full-time mediums, but they just wanted to 
enhance their skills a little bit and, and just help themselves. Because using your intuition, whether it's psychic abilities or whatever, can be very, very useful in your normal life. You can tune into people and situations and, and trust your gut, trust your intuition. And it's a very, very handy thing. And we've all got these abilities. But how we choose to use them, how we choose to develop them is up to the individual. Yeah, so do you think like the reason why we can't all see and communicate with sort of this gut, this spirit realm, this intuition, is that just because the people who um, aren't in tune to that, I mean, are we, are we those people more focused on the exterior world, what's going on, rather than actually quieting things down and actually tapping into what's inside? Is that, is that kind of the problem? Not the, no, it's, not, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not a problem, I guess, but I don't know, if we're, if we're so focused by all the immediate noise around us, then I guess that blurs out your sort of inner voice, intuition, gut, I'm, I'm guessing. Am I wrong? No. Um, look, it's, it's something that you need to go into very quietly and learn, and you, you've got to be in a, a, a really good state to do this. I mean, a, a good mental and inner state. I, I still do the odd reading for people when they contact me. I don't sort of go out and, and promote myself, and is, but, but I get people ringing up because of my books and, and whatever, uh, and I will do a reading for them. But before I do a reading, I will go and do a meditation and tune in to them, and I'll tune in, and I'll often get messages from spirit and everything like that. So I've got to put myself into a quiet space. And what you were talking about before with the average person is that we're so busy, and it's such a stressful life, so many things happening, buzzing here, buzzing there, stress, 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 that unless you can put yourself into this really quiet meditation space, it's the explanation I usually give is something like going to a, um, a cup final at Wembley, shall we say, and there's about 80,000 screaming supporters there and you're standing or sitting in the middle of the stands trying to make an intimate phone call on your mobile phone. <laughs> You can't do it. It's not really you conducive. Really so, no, it's not. So you've got to find that quiet space to, to go within, find your intuition, because intuition just simply means tuition from within. But it's there. And once you start to trust it and learn to go with it, it can be a very, very powerful ally in your life. Yeah. And there have been some, I mean, amazing documented experiences where people have been regressed to a previous lifetime and have come up with, I think you, you describe it as irrefutable, um, irrefutable, irref, I'm dyslexic, irrefutable proof of their past lives. Could you maybe just give a couple of examples of like some of these um, examples? I think there was a film by Peter Ramster, which um, yes. was a, a, an amazing film, which documents some of these. But yeah, can you give us a couple of examples? Yeah, well, Peter, a good friend of mine, a very good friend of mine. In fact, we worked together earlier this year at the uh, first Australian Afterlife Conference. And uh, Pete's been a guest on my radio program on many an occasion. And he produced these two films that went around the world called The Reincarnation Experiment. And, and he is the best past life regression expert that I have worked with. Although I have now started to work with somebody else called Colin Dooley down in Melbourne who runs the Michael Newton Life Between Lives program. But Peter... Uh, set out with a film crew to take some of these people that he'd regressed in Australia and particularly one of them, a lady called Gwen, who had regressed to a couple of lives overseas and one of them was where she'd lived outside the uh, Glastonbury and uh, she'd been in this little tiny hamlet just outside Glastonbury and she described various things about this hamlet. Anyway, 
they took her over there with a film crew, and she'd never been out of Australia. They were able to document that because they, she, they could check on a passport. She'd never, ever left the country before. They took her over to Glastonbury, took her up to the tour, and Pete put a, um, a post-hypnotic uh, suggestion to her and said, OK, now that you've, you've looked at this life, take us back to where you were in this life. Well, she got up and she went off, and the film crew were trailing along behind, and they went to the all the way through this little village. And they, they, on the way, she told them that there was this stream they had to cross, and there were these stones that they had to step on, stepping stones. Anyway, they found the stream, and she took them directly to it, even though she'd never been there before. And it was sort of hidden down a farmer's um, lane, whatever. And there were no standing stones there, or no stepping stones. So, okay, fair enough. Well, they went on and she said, no, well, we go over here. And, and lo and behold, she went in and she described the little building that, they, uh, that she'd lived in. She took them unerringly to this farmhouse. Now, the building that she described that she'd lived in a couple of hundred years back, about 300 years ago, was used then as a hen house. So it was full of chickens and it was knee-deep in chicken droppings. <laughs> and... Uh, but she had described a tile, a blue-coloured tile with a certain mark on it um, that was on the floor. So much to the amusement of the farmer, Peter and the guys went in there and cleaned the, the chicken house out, cleaned it out of many, many decades of chicken droppings. I almost said something else then. And um, lo and behold, what did they find when they hosed it all off? these tiles exactly the way she had drawn them on the diagram and and the tile maker's mark, which was in the corner of each tile. She told them the colour, she told them the size, the way they were laid out, and the mark. So they were absolutely amazed. They talked to the farmer and they found out that the various houses and towns and everything like that that she described, yes, they were all there, they checked out. And they asked her about the, the stones in the creek. He said, oh, yeah, well, they took those out. They were there, and they actually took those out during the Second World War because of whatever reason. Uh, but they had been there in this farmer's lifetime, so he knew what she was talking about. That's unbelievable. I, I, feel, I, feel, I, I feel a bit bad now because when you started that story, immediately I've got my sort of sceptical head on and I'm like, okay, she's never been there before, but we've got the internet and maybe she saw it on the internet. I was kind of thinking that. And then as you describe the story more and more, I was like, all right, chill up, Duncan. It's in, it's in with the tiles. That's mad. That's crazy. Duncan, this was in the 1980s. The internet wasn't even <laughs> in existence for the public. So this is a long time ago. Uh, Pete made that film back in about 1988, oh from my memory. God. I'd love to see it. Can I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to track that down and order a copy. That's amazing. Well, look, you can, you can go onto YouTube and it's there. Just uh, Google YouTube, The Reincarnation Experiment. You can see it for yourself. Perfect. I'm going to put that, I'm going to put that underneath this interview in the show notes. Okay. That's incredible. And so um, I'm just thinking, so like, Knowing that our actions in each of our life are a vital part of our soul growth is, um, I guess, is that making everyone more aware of their everyday decisions? So it, this, this, this word came up, like, responsibility. So it's not, it's not okay just to be, like, um, sort of fate or, like, life happens to me. Like, we've, we've got to actually take personal responsibility. That, that was a theme that came up a few times, wasn't it? Very much so, and it's something that I've been on at for a while, and and uh, the, the messages that have come through from my, my group and the other side that, that I work with, 
uh, is for us to take responsibility for our actions. And uh, yes, we do have certain things that we want to do and we do get free will and we get choices and all sorts of things. But if we make a decision, if we do something, we, we have to take responsibility for those actions. There's no doubt about that. What are some of the ways in which sort of changing our perception towards death? Because a lot of these things, um, I was talking to um, a lovely lady called um, Dr. Penny Satori, and we were talking um, about like death. And from the surface, when you when you describe this topic, it seems quite morbid. It seems like you know how how is learning about death like you know an uplifting thing? But actually, like learning how uh, I know focusing and learning actually more about death actually can often help and influence the way we actually perceive our everyday life. Um, have you kind of found, and it doesn't matter if you haven't, but have you found like this sort of study of death changed the way which you viewed and uh, approach life like here and now? Oh, very much so. Very much so. Um, I, it's, a, I don't have a fear of death. Not that I have had for many years, but if, I, I went through a, a big um, healing crisis a couple of years ago when I had cancer. And uh, at no stage did I even think about passing over. And I thought, well, if I do, it's my time. Yeah, that's okay. I don't care because I know where I'm going and I know what a, what a great thing it is. And I'm going to be back again probably anyway. But I'm going to then go over and meet up with friends and family. And, and I just know for certain that, it's, that there is no such thing as death, that we do go to this place called the afterlife. And when we're there, we meet up with our friends, our family and loved ones and people that we can't even remember consciously in this lifetime. Um, but the other thing is I've had so many people after my first book, particularly Afterlife, contact me and say, thank you so much. Not only has it helped us with the whole concept of knowing that there's no such thing as death, it's helped us with grieving and it's also made us realize that we need to take responsibility for what we're doing in this lifetime. And when we start thinking about uh, what's going on, starting to change the way I'm looking at my whole life. And th- and this is this was a delightful reaction as far as I was concerned, that people are now thinking about the way they're living because it does impact. If you uh, lead the life of a, an absolute criminal and a nasty person, and a, you know, all sorts of sexual predators and, and whatever, drug addicts, terrorists, when you go over the other side... They're not going to welcome you and say, oh, hello, here you go. Yeah, you had a bad time, didn't you? Well, never mind. Here you are. Have a glass of wine. Uh, no. I mean, there are levels. There's no such thing as hell, by the way. But there are many levels in the afterlife. And it makes sense that if, if you're going to um, be a, a dissolute sort of a character in this life, then you're going to have to go over there to one of the lower levels and be helped. There's no punishment. You know, you're not sort of... Uh, stuck with pitchforks and you know branding irons and things like that. It was a bit difficult to do that to a spirit, anyway, wasn't it? But um, so there's none of that. But you are helped, and then you've got to come back again to atone for what you've done. And and it's something called karma, which is balancing your karma. What goes around comes around. So you you then come back again to experience karma from the other side. So when people started to realise that this, okay, I am creating my own karma. I have to take responsibility for my actions because when I get back over the other side, I really would prefer to be able to go into the higher echelons of the afterlife and then to be able to come back and create a better lifestyle for myself next time around rather than having to come back and atone for my sins, atone for my, uh, for my karma and balance my karma. Which Karma can be carried over many, many lifetimes. Mm. And if we don't, Look at us, and that's that's what I mean about soul development. 
because your soul reaches a certain late stage. And the vibrations of the afterlife, the soul vibrations there are much higher than they are on the earth. So if you're going over as a low evolved soul, your vibrations are going to be much, much lower than somebody who is a highly evolved soul. So you do move on into higher echelons, shall we say, in the afterlife. And now just a couple of speed round questions that we finish up with every time. What sure. does a fulfilled life mean to you? Well, it's something that we've actually discussed. For me, I will be quite happy as I lie there, hopefully peacefully on my deathbed. <laughs> Who knows when? Uh, and I can look back and I can say, yes, I have balanced my karma. I've achieved everything that I really wanted to achieve in this lifetime. I believe I've advanced my soul to the stage that I'm happy with in my conscious mind. Uh, I've worked with, I've helped many people, as, as many people as, as I possibly can. But I've also had all the experiences that I really wanted to. I don't want to lie on my deathbed thinking, gee, I wish I had of. And so far, um, I'm able to sort of count the experiences that I haven't had on the fingers of one hand. So <laughs> I'm very happy with that. That's incredible. And what's one thing our listeners can do today that will have a massive positive effect on their lives? Accept the fact that they are a spiritual entity having a human experience, which will then remove the fear of death. So many people are scared witless about dying. And you don't die. There is no such thing as death. There's the death of the body. The soul lives on. And if you can accept this, lose the fear of death, lose the fear of thinking, oh, uh, when this is all over, they're just going to turn the lights out and there'll be nothing. Once you can do that, you can live a far more fulfilled life. Well said. And are there any books or resources which have changed or had a big impact on you? Yeah, when Judy passed away in 1997, um, first of all, there was a medium, uh, and her name was Ruth Phillips, and she's actually in the UK at the moment. She's a brilliant medium. If any of your listeners can ever find her, she's wonderful. She helped me get in touch with Judy. So she was, she was the first step in my development in that area. Then somehow there's always a book that falls off a shelf somewhere, Duncan, and this particular book was either recommended to me or it fell off a shelf or whatever. It was Michael Newton's book, Journey of Souls. And it just helped me settle down to realize it. I knew all of these things, but when I read Michael's book, uh, it, it just settled things down in my own mind and in my own heart. And then there was a follow-up book called Destiny of Souls. He's written another one now, and I'm working with the people, the Australian uh, president of the Michael Newton, uh, international president of the Michael Newton Association. Peter Smith is a good friend of mine. and In fact, I'm off to a conference um, shortly after we finish our chat here and Pete and I are sharing a, um, a, a table together at the Nexus conference. He speaks about consciousness and he speaks about life between lives and all sorts of things. So that's had an ongoing effect for me as well. But certainly that whole area of that and also past life regressions uh, where I've been able to get in touch with my own past, which I do explore in my latest book, No Goodbyes, which is out in Australia and, and about to be released in the States. Fantastic. And last but not least, how can people stay in touch, find out more? Where, where can we send them to uh, so they can hear more about you? 
Okay, well, probably uh, a good place to start off is my radio program, which is just radiooutthere.com. Then if they want to find out more about the books, just go to barryeaton.com and that will take you straight straight through to Afterlife and then there's a link across to No Goodbyes from there. So radiooutthere.com is the radio program. There's links on that as well. Uh, And I update that program every single week. And um, then Barry Eaton, E-A-T-O-N, barryeaton.com is my website through the Book of Afterlife. Barry, it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you today. Thank you so much for giving up. You're in Australia. We're in, uh, I'm in Berlin at the moment. So I know that you are, you're staying up especially late to talk to me today. So I really appreciate it. That's been my pleasure. 